there's a point to all that, right? Sometimes it is hard to make room for everything you want, especially if you have a 50-pound weight limit, right? On any many flights and uh, so forth. Uh, you better learn when you pack, what? To pack the most important things first. That's a little bit about what we're talking about. Sometimes, if you're not careful, we fill the suitcase with a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't matter, and then we don't have room for the most important. You say, Pastor Eddie, of course you always put the most important in first. That's really the point of this series. We're calling it Making Room, and we're talking about what things we need to make room for in our lives. After all, our lives can be as difficult to pack as a suitcase. Our lives can be so filled, so full, so stressed, that if we're not careful, we leave out the most important objects, the most important things. Last week, I talked to you, I shared with you an illustration about a jar and rocks. You remember? And we talked about putting the big rocks in first and, and how we need to be sure of or decide what are the big rocks in our lives. <clears throat> and by the way, Sometimes there's a debate about that. I can't tell you what the big rocks are for your life. I can't tell you what's the most important things that you need to make room for in your life. You can't tell me. They're all different. But I can share with you a few of the things that God says are big rocks. If he were to use the illustration, he would be saying to us, here are some big rocks that you need to make room for in your life. Today I want to talk about the first of those big rocks. I've written mine down because I'm going to keep this jar. And I wrote on here, I know you can't see it, but I took a picture. Generosity. The first rock I want to talk about today is a rock that is important to all of our lives, and it is a rock called <clears throat> generosity. I'm not sure if we really understand how important generosity is to our life and what a blessing generosity can be. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, when we're young, that's hard to take, right? When we're young, we're like, oh, no, I'd much rather receive. But hopefully as we grow and mature, as we develop in our life and move through seasons of life, we come to understand quickly that it is far more blessed to give. We are more blessed when we give than when we receive. The problem is people think, well, I can't be generous. After all... I'm not as rich as so-and-so. But you know what? Here's what I believe. You do not have to be rich to be generous. You have to be generous to be generous. Can I say that one more time? You don't have to be rich to be generous. You have to be generous to be generous. We talk about being generous. I don't think only of money. Sometimes we only think about giving money. But you know, money is, in some ways perhaps the easiest thing for us to give and to be generous with. I find that sometimes it's more difficult to be generous with things like time, right? My time is very important to me, and, and yet it's hard to be generous to give of my time to somebody else. You know, here's another thing, my words. Have you ever thought about having being generous with your words? You can be very generous with your words, and it does make a difference in people's lives. If you could be generous enough to bless them and to encourage them rather than to pull them down or distract them or, 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 or curse them or whatever it might be, it's important. <clears throat> I was reminded of that this week. Uh, Tuesday, uh, we left for the Bahamas, and some of you know, some of you don't. I've been in the Bahamas all week with one of our construction teams. And uh, so on the way down Tuesday... We're on the ship, we're headed over, and uh, as we're headed over, I'm talking, I meet a man 
um, on the boat who's from Chicago. Now, it really surprised me because he is really from India, has a thick Indian accent. And I said, so where are you from? He said, Chicago. I'm like, oh, okay. So I get to talking to the man from Chicago. We, we formed a friendship over just a short cruise there and back. But, but as we're talking, um, he asked me, he said, so what are you going to be doing on the island? And I began to tell him. I said, well, we go over and we do construction. We try to repair homes that have been damaged by the hurricane. We try to bring some supplies that will help them through a difficult time. And, and, and we'll work on some churches to try to get them up and going so that they can then in turn be feeding centers and distribution centers for the people. And, and as we're talking, I didn't pay any attention. Now, just about five tables over sat a man by himself come to find out he was Bahamian didn't know that at the time <clears throat> but we're talking my friend that I knew friend from Chicago and I are talking the Bahamian comes over to where we are and he looked at us and he smiled and he reached out to shake my hand I took his hand and he took his hand and put it on my hand and he said I just didn't mean to interrupt I just wanted to come and say thank you for coming to our island he said my home is fine we survived the storm but every person you help is a blessing. Thank you for coming. Now, you don't know how that encouraged me. Because honestly, if I can be perfectly honest, it gets a little frustrating down there. There's so much devastation, so much to be done that sometimes I feel like we're dropping a pebble in the ocean when we move over there. So how inspiring, how encouraging was that man's speaking to me? He was generous with his words. You see, generosity goes far more than just giving. As a matter of fact, Chip Ingram, I, I like the way he put it, he said, generosity is not an act, it's a way of life. Sometimes we think of generosity as an act, a, a one-time shot, you know, hey, somebody has a need, I'm going to be generous, and oh, I'm going to do it here. No, I think he's right. I think Christian generosity goes beyond that, and it's not just an act, it literally is a way of life. The problem is, sometimes we just feel like, we don't even mean to, but generosity gets crowded out of our life. We didn't pack it in the suitcase in time, and so we got to cut it short. We, like the short, you know, that just part just kills me in that video. We got to cut the short, cut it short, or we got to just leave it out all completely because there's just not room. I believe God would say to us today, make room for generosity. And by the way, I want to just put this thought up there. The truth is, everybody can be generous. Everyone can make room for generosity. If you really want to, and if you learn how, you can make room for generosity. So how do we do that? Well, I want to take you this morning to a passage of Scripture that I love. It's in uh, the Gospel according to Luke. And in, in, in this account, Jesus is telling a story in answer to a question. Now, for those of you in the building who are church people, you grew up in Sunday school and, and you know the Bible story or you, you're doing a Bible study or you've been on your own and you're studying the Bible, you're going to know this story. It's going to be one very, very familiar. But now to some of us, you know what? Maybe you don't know the story. Maybe you're here to church for the first time or, or maybe you just... You know, you've been in church a little bit, but you don't really know your Bible that well. Whatever, don't, don't worry. I'm going to tell you the story. It's an incredible story, but it's going to make a point. The point that I hope we're going to glean from the story is, first of all, what a blessing generosity is. Secondly, what kind of people are generous? And third, how we can be more generous, how we can make room for generosity. 
All right? So let me go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, and I want to begin reading verse number 25, and I want you to follow along. We put it on the screen up here so you can follow along, see if you recognize this story. First of all, let me set the context. All right? If I don't set the context, you don't get the full impact of the story. The context begins in verse number 25, and it says, Then an expert in the law stood up to test him. Now, let me set that. A group of people are following Jesus. They've been following him because he's doing all kinds of miracles. He is a miracle worker. The lame walk, the deaf hear, the mute speak. People are cleansed from leprosy and all manner of diseases. You can imagine the crowd that's following him. And by the way, there's always jealousy among people. And so the religious elite, the religious in the crowd, the religious ones in the crowd decide we don't like this guy, and we want to do away with this guy. And so they begin to try to uh, trap him. If we can make him look bad in front of the people, they'll reject him. So they ask him a question. Let's read on. An expert in the law, that is in the Hebrew law, not the, not the law of the Romans, but the Hebrew law, the Torah, as it is known, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responds, what is written in the law? In other words, he says, you're the expert. You know the law. What's written in the law? How do you read it? Verse 27, he answered, that is the man, the religious guy, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and, you will, and with all your mind, and he says, your neighbor as yourself. Now, what he did was he quoted the Hebrew Shema. The Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart. So it's in the Torah. And so immediately, this expert in the law had the right answers. Man, think about it. Just because you have the right answers is not going to make you generous. Here's what he does. He goes a little bit further now, and he begins to justify himself. Watch what happens. He gave the right answers. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, the next verse, you've answered correctly. You got the right answer, he told him. Do this and you will live. But, wanting to justify himself, the expert in the law asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Mr. Rogers would say, Everybody. <laughs> we did a little study on that. Remember last year, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood and who is my neighbor and how do we take care of my neighbor? We talked about this story. But I want to use the story today to teach something a little differently and to look at it through a different filter. Not so much to talk about who is my neighbor, but to talk about how I treat my neighbor and what happens with my neighbor. Let's read on. Look what happened. Jesus took up the question and told this story. He said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the uh, hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, hmm, by the way, to get a story, I have to understand, Samaritans and Jews hated each other. A Samaritan, on his journey, came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. And the next day, 
he took out two denarii. Now, a denarii, most believe, is a, a day's wages. So two days' wages. He gave him these two days' wages, and he said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. What a story. Then Jesus goes on and says, Which of these is the real neighbor? Now, let me think about that just a moment. There's something really valuable for us to learn in this story today. You see three kinds of people mentioned in this story. And the same three kinds of people live today. All right? First of all, you realize that some people are takers. Some people are takers. They just take, 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 and never give. Just receive, 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 receive. They just take what's theirs. All they care about is their own self, their own needs, whatever they need. They're just takers. <laughs> the robbers in the story right here's a man going to Jerusalem or from Jerusalem to Jericho very dangerous road that's an interesting road by the way I'll be on that road in a couple of weeks it's a steep road Jerusalem is 2,500 feet above sea level the Dead Sea is 1,300 feet below sea level and it drops in a space of about 15 miles not only that but it's arid and dry rocky so thieves would often be able to easily hide in those rocks it's a treacherous road to be on but a man found that he had to be there he falls among thieves and what does it say the thieves robbed him left him half dead they didn't care about the man they didn't care about his condition all they knew is I want what he's got and I'm gonna take it that's all some people worry about I was in the Bahamas this week and uh, on Wednesday night, the place we stay, they have fish fry, what they call a fish fry. And people come all over the island with a fish fry. It's a pretty wild party that usually gets finished about 2.15, 2.30 a.m. And so, um, not that I'm out there at 2.15 a.m., but I'm lying in my sleeping bag listening to them out there until 2.15, if you know I me. Mean. So, anyway, we're used to fish fry by now. No big deal. But... The next morning, we get up, we're ready to go and do our work, what we're accustomed to do, what we have our day lined up. We jump into the van, turn the key, and nothing happens. Just dead. I looked at Al, my friend and partner who was driving. I said, Al, I think we got a dead battery. He said, I think you're right. So I jump out of the car to go call the rental company because we need a battery. I have no other car there. I have no way to jump it off, and so we just call them. And as I come out, Al says, hey, Pastor Eddie. I decided I better check the terminals. Just see, maybe there's some corrosion there. Maybe we can tighten them. Maybe we can do something. He said, problem is, here's the news. We, don't, it, it, we do not have a dead battery. We have no battery. <laughs> yeah, somebody at Fish Fry got more than fish. Got our battery. Some people are just takers, you know? Now, can I just say this? You do not have to be a bad person to still be a taker. There are some people who are good morally, ethically, religiously who are still all about me there's just some people like that and then there are some people if you go through the story there are some people who are concerned about their self they're not just takers but they're self-servers they're only only concerned about serving me and my needs and I'm thinking about the two religious guys did you get the story the man is laying there on the road half dead get your imagination going and here comes a priest a priest mind you and the priest we know is going to do temple service in the temple. We know he's a religious leader. We know he's important. And the second man that comes right after him is a Levite. Again, a very important religious person who has deeds to do working around Jerusalem and in the temple. They both are religious. They both have important things to do. They both have good reasons to do what they do. But I want you to notice what they did. 
They saw the man. They saw him lying there. And they went to the other side of the road and kept going. What? Are you serious? A man's lying there half dead. And I look at the opportunity to be generous and just keep going. Well, no, they had good reason. The priests weren't to get involved in that kind of things. They would have to be ceremonially cleansed. Have to take some time for that. And you know what? If he's like most preachers, he's probably late for his meeting, right? And so I don't have time to do this. I need to keep going toward the temple. He has a good reason to pass by. And you're saying, no, he doesn't. And the Levite, he's got good reason to pass by. He's, on his, he's late coming home, and his wife's got dinner waiting, and, and everything's got to be ready and prepared. Well, they got good reasons to just go right on by. And you're like, no, they don't. Oh, let me bring it to the modern day. So Tuesday, I don't know why I tell you all this stuff about me. It's a wonder you let me come back on Sundays. So Tuesday, I leave my house, not so early in the morning, but fairly. I leave my house a little before 7 o'clock, headed down the Bahamas. My team is already about an hour and a half ahead of me because I needed to do some things before I left. And so they're an hour and a half down the road. I'm, I'll catch them at the harbor and we'll take off. And I'm, I'm going down. I, I drive, I get off my road and I'm onto the main road there. And I make it to, to just, uh, just beyond Fort White, which is near where I live. I hadn't gone far at all, maybe 10 miles, 15. And I see this lady walking on the side of the road. It's, first of all, it's about 7 a.m. And it's cold that morning. And it's unusual to see this lady with smoke coming from her you know the, the coming from her mouth and she's she's obviously walking and i'm thinking that's odd it's 7 a.m but of course i do what you do i keep going and then a little bit later maybe a mile down the road i see a car on the side of the road now brilliant me i make a quick deduction she ran out of gas and she's walking to a gas station out here in the middle of nowhere miles away from any gas and I hear this voice in my head saying, you should stop and help her. And then I hear another voice saying, you don't have time. You're headed to the Bahamas. You've got to catch up with your team. And I hear another voice. In my, I, I do hear voices. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hear another voice. And, and there's other voices saying to my ear, yeah, but you've got time to stop and help her. Turn around and go pick the lady up and help her. And I hear this another voice saying, no, you don't have time. If you turn around, by the time you get back now, it's going to take another 30 minutes, and you'll not make the harbor, and you got all this stuff to unload, and you got good reason. Just keep going. And then this other voice comes, and it says, Hey, Eddie, you remember what you're teaching on Sunday? That's how the Word of God hits us, isn't it? Out of nowhere. That wasn't fair. You remember that Levite and that priest you're going to be talking about Sunday? You need to turn around. And so seven miles later, I turn around. That was a seven-mile conversation. I turn around to go help the lady. Honestly, a little bit reluctantly, and a little bit happily. Because I know, deep down, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And the truth is, that ship is not going to leave me. I'll get there late, but really all I'm going to miss is a hamburger. Right? What's my point? The point is, it occurred to me that many of us really do fall into the category of this priest and Levite. We want to be generous. We know we should. But we don't have time. We don't have energy. 
We need to move on with life. And then the third in the story is the generous one. Of all things, he's a Samaritan, hated by the Jews. Mixed breeds is what they called them. Hated for years. But it's the Samaritan who sees the man. And the scripture says, went over to him, bandaged up his wounds, cleaned him up, put him on his own donkey, put him in the car, took him to an inn, a hotel, and said, put him up. I've got to go on down to the Bahamas and I'll be back. No, no, not that. I've got to go on to my job and I'll come back. And if there's any further expense, I'll pay you for them. But here's two days' wages to show I'm good for it. That, my friends, is generosity. That is generous. And I think Jesus was making the point that our neighbors are not just people we like, not just people we enjoy being around, but our neighbors also include people we don't even know, people who don't live next door to us but maybe in the same country, people who may even be our enemies, people we even don't like. That's his point. But for my point, I want to come back to the generosity thing. As I'm reading that account again, I'm reminded of why it is so hard for us in America today to be generous. Even though we have the means, and and in most cases, even the desire to do it. But here's why it's so hard. I wrote three things down. Three observations. The first thing that I observed is that generosity, the reason it's so hard, is that generosity involves taking time and sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. You see, the priest and the Levite didn't have time. Eddie didn't have time. That's why generosity is hard, because sometimes generosity will take time. Again, generosity is far more than just giving money. As a matter of fact, sometimes we'd rather give money than time, right? Oh, I'd like to give to this because I don't have time, but I'll give. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that time often keeps us from being generous. Sometimes it involves time, and that's the hardest thing of all to give. Have you found that your talent, your treasure, is easier sometimes to give than your time? We're all busy. I understand that. We all have a lot going on. But maybe, maybe we need to make room for some generosity in our lives. Here's the second thing I jotted down that I thought came from the other guys. Sometimes generosity means getting involved and sometimes that's messy. Okay? Now come on. You stay with me. Sometimes generosity means getting involved. Now the first two guys, they didn't have time. The third guy, the Samaritan, has a decision to make. I see the guy laying there half dead. If I go help him, first of all, it's going to cost me my time. And secondly, it's going to get real messy. I'm going to have to clean him up. I'm going to have to wash him. I'm going to have to bandage his wounds. And I can't just leave him there. I'm going to have to take him somewhere. So I'm going to have to put him on my donkey. So instead of me riding, he's riding. I'm going to have to find some place to leave him because I can't take him with me. He decided to do it. When I read that, you know, I just couldn't help but think. And the reason I jotted down the observation is because I can't think of how many times that I've wanted to get involved and I've wanted to be generous to something, to uh, some extent. But 
I knew to do it would be, I'd be getting involved. And sometimes getting involved is real messy. You ever been there? You try to help somebody, and boy, does it go the wrong direction quick. Oh, I didn't bargain for all that. You know, sometimes ministry is messy. That's why a lot of us don't like to do it. We just steer clear. I, I don't know anything about bandaging wounds. I, I don't know anything about washing up people. I, it's messy. Sometimes when you want to help people who are in need, it gets messy, doesn't it? You find out their lives are like they are for a reason. It's messy. Do I really want to get messy? Do I really want to invoke the time? Sometimes we don't get involved because it's messy. The third thing I wrote down, generosity means giving our resources, and sometimes that hurts. Generosity means it may cost me something. In this man's case, it cost him some money as well as the time. Because when he got the man cleaned up, bandaged up, put him on the donkey and headed to the hotel, took him in, said, let's put this man up. How much is your room? I don't know how long I'll be. I've got to go on business. But here's two days labor. Take this as a down payment. When I come back, I'll pick up whatever else is owed. Sometimes it costs us resources. Sometimes we have to give time. Sometimes we have to give words. Sometimes we have to get involved. Sometimes it costs us money. That's the price of being generous. And, and frankly, that's why it's so difficult and why we sometimes, even though deep down I think we want to be generous, it's like, I don't have time. I don't want to get involved. It's going to be messy and it may cost me some money and... I just can't do it. But I want to encourage you this morning. I'm convinced that one of the rocks we need in our life is generosity. You say, ah, no, this first year, sir, first day of the uh, first of the new year, and you're preaching because the church needs money. No, no, I'm not talking about that at all. I'm really not talking about that at all. Um, this church never has enough money, but the God who owns this church does no no, no 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 I'm not talking about that don't get confused I, I, I do think giving to church is a good thing can I just say that I give regularly I give more than a tithe it's just what Beth and I have done but you know what here's why Beth and I do it not because I'm the pastor you say, you're the pastor no I know pastors who don't frankly no you know why I do because I've learned that's a rock if I can make room for it in my life God blesses so far beyond what I'm thinking. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, so I'm not talking about just giving to church, although find a purpose. Part of being generous is find a purpose and give to the purpose, right? And part of that purpose is being a part of, a, a, of an active church. And I, I'm, but let me move on. I think we need to have this rock in our life because generosity, watch this. Some of you know this. Generosity will bless you far more than what you're giving will bless them. I'm telling you. It'll bless you far more than it'll bless them. I'm telling you. I've just watched it too many times in my life. 
Now, I'm trying to get better at it. I always challenge myself to do a little bit more. I always challenge myself to get a little bit stronger. And so the first rock that I want to put into my jar is generosity. I want to make room for that this coming year. So I challenge you. Make generosity a big rock. You say, well, how do I do that, Pastor? I knew you wouldn't ask that question. So I got an answer for you. I got some tips for you, okay? Now, this is not exhaustive. I, I don't have the, you know, every little detail, but I do have a couple of hints, a couple of tips. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. You make a living by what you get. You make a life by what you give. So how can you do it? Let me give you four quick ways, and we're done. All right? Painful lesson, but it's important. Four thoughts, four ideas. First of all, be intentionally generous. You're going to have to be intentional. It is not just going to fall to your nature. Right? It is just not going to fall to your nature. Can I just say, it is, it is our, not our nature to be generous. It is our nature to be driven by our flesh to be concerned about me. It's just natural. That is not natural. I beg your pardon. How many of you had a little baby before? How many know what that baby is all about? Me. And he, she is going to let you know immediately when I need to be taken care of. I'm hungry. I'm wet. I, let's just stop there. That's our nature. We just want to take care of us. So you're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to think it through. You're going to have to maybe plan to be generous. You're like, what? That's the dumbest thing I ever heard of. Try it. That's all I'm saying. Try it. I want to, I want to be intentional. You know what? And, and Beth and I are so far from perfect in this, but I want to help you with what, some things we've learned. And one thing we've learned is to be intentional with our gen generosity. And so we intentionally plan out how much we're going to give to our church. How much we're going to give to orphans around the world. We support many orphans around the world. We're going to decide how much we want to give to local folks close to us. We plan out how much we're going to do to, in the Bahamas so that we can give down there. We think it through. Be intentional. If you wait for it to just happen, I can promise you for every time that voice comes to you and says, Hey, why don't you give somebody this? Another voice is going to say, Uh, 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 uh. Second thing, be generous with your praise and encouragement. Be generous with your praise and encouragement. Be generous with your words. We talked about that. Let me say it again. Offer people praise. When's the last time you just praised somebody? Uh, just to keep it fresh, I, I'm not trying to overdo the Bahamas thing, but because it's fresh on my mind. We were leaving port, and we left on a Bahamian national holiday. Everybody was off, national holiday. So they were sleeping in. They were having a great time. It was our day to leave, so we were at the harbor, and I'm checking in. The Bahamian girls behind the, the desk are checking us in, and they're pleasant, and they're smiling. But I looked at them when I was all finished, and I said, kind of a bummer to have to work on a holiday, huh? And, of course, they were trying to be professional, but they cracked a smile and said, oh, yeah. So I said, thank you for working, though. 
you're helping me get home. And I really appreciate the fact that you're giving up your holiday to help. Now, is that a big deal? No. But I bet it encouraged those girls. Why not? Now, what I could have said is, why didn't y'all have more people here? I could have got through this thing a whole lot faster. You know? If you'd have just had four people here instead of two people here, I'd have been gone. No, no, no. Maybe true. But I got on the ship, and all I missed was a hamburger. No. Try to offer somebody some encouragement and praise. Somebody when they least expect it. It'll be a blessing to you. Third thing, very important. <clears throat> Give something that has some meaning to you. Give something that has some meaning. I'm telling you, it will cultivate generosity in your heart. Now, it's a good thing for us to take things like we've done in the past and take in some clothes that are stuffing our closet that we don't use anymore and give them. That's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to take supplies and basketballs and baseball gloves or, or bandages or whatever that we have around the house. It's a wonderful. Thank you for doing that. You have done that. Others have done that. And many Bahamians have been blessed. I watched a distribution while I was down there on Friday, and they were distributing clothing that had been given from the states, and they were giving it to Bahamians. That is a blessing. But if you really want to grow, also give something that you value. Make the giving a little sacrificial. Instead of giving a dollar, maybe you give two. Instead of tipping with a five, you tip with a ten. I don't know. Give something that has some meaning for you. Your time. That's more valuable even. Your talent. Your treasure. Last, I gotta quit. I could give you so many examples. Give anonymously. I don't mean that you have to do that every time, but now you really want to be blessed. Give anonymously. Just bless somebody knowing that they'll never know it was you that blessed them. Never know that it was you that helped them. I remember one time calling up, pulling up to a drive-through service. I believe it was for a cup of coffee. Might have been for a sandwich, I don't remember. But I drove up to the drive-through and I ordered the meal, my meal. When I got to the window to pay, I said, how much will it be? She said, nothing, sir. The car ahead of you left a $20 bill to take care of your meal. To which I immediately wanted to know, well, who was it? I want to I wanna thank them. And they were gone. They didn't care if I knew who they were or not. Maybe not even wanted me to know. But I'm, I know they were richly blessed. Why? Because Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So here's the takeaway. Here's where we draw it all in the end, and here's what we take away from this. I'm quoting a man by the name of Max Lucado. Some of you have read Max Lucado's book. He says it so well, we just wanted to quote him. Where grace happens, generosity happens. You say, why are we even having this discussion, Pastor Eddie? Why are we even talking about this? Because here's the thing. As I said earlier, anybody can be generous. But Christians who've been saved by grace must be generous. Because where grace happens, generosity happens. Let me tell you what I mean. Real quickly, what I mean by that is this. 
You see, I, if I think about Eddie right now, Eddie understands that I'm a product of grace. And that I was just like the guy on the road to Jericho. I was half dead. No, no. I was fully dead in trespass and sin. With no way to help myself. But then scripture says that Jesus stepped out of heaven. Onto the road that I walked. And said, I'll take care of you. And used his own body and his own blood. To buy me. And to fix me up. And to bandage me up. And to breathe life into my being. And then to take care of me and say oh by the way I've taken care of the debt you don't owe a debt and if there's any further debt to be paid I'll pay it and when he died on a cross 2,000 years ago he paid the price of my ransom my redemption he paid for you and I to have life and life more abundant and here's the kicker I didn't deserve any of it he didn't do it because I was a good person he, I was only a nine year old boy <laughs> He didn't do it because I was a morally fine individual. He didn't do it because I'm a preacher. You know why he did it? He did it because of his generosity. And he said, I'm giving you my grace. Grace is unmerited favor, unearned, undeserved favor. Wherein God looks at everyone in this room and says, I don't care what you've done, where you've been. I don't care the level of your sin or ugliness. I died for you and my grace is extended to you where grace happens generosity happens so you see Eddie now <laughs> I think about it I think oh how I have extended grace I have been extended grace I want to extend grace with a generous heart make sense first rock generosity we all can make room for generosity. I want to close with one passage of Scripture. One, I, I do this because I know somebody's going to say, well, why is he talking about generosity? Did you know I've been instructed to? Paul, the apostle, was writing to Timothy, a young apprentice in the faith, a young man who was a pastor of a church, and he wrote him. And I want you to listen to what he said because the instructions for him cascade down 2,000 years to me. And here's what he said. He said, Timothy, Instruct those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Now listen, he says, Timothy, instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share. So I'm just doing what I've been instructed to do. Because God thinks generosity is a big rock. Pray with me, would you? Heavenly Father, thank you for teaching us your own heart. That generosity is a blessing. And that generosity is born of grace. Thank you for reminding me, God, that generosity is a condition of the heart. Keep my heart soft and pliable. <clears throat> I tend towards selfishness and self-centeredness and self-serving. But I want to be generous. I want our church to be generous. God, would you just keep us, we, the orchard, 
with a focus on others. Not on us, not on our preference, not on what we want, but on what can serve our community. Now teach us to be for our community, for others, for people who are laying on the side of the road who need help. Even if it's messy, even if it involves time, and even if we spend resources. In the quietness of the moment, I ask you, where's your heart today? Are you a taker? You don't have to be a bad person to be a taker. Are you self-serving? Are you generous? I guess the challenge from me this morning to all of us in the room, beginning with right here, this guy on this stool, is to be more generous than we've ever been before. I want to be. But I'll have to make room for it. Thank you, Father, for moving in my life. Amen and amen.